Welcome to the Indie Maker Journey episode 2. On today's episode, Mario shares some of the updates he's been making to FusionCast. Spoiler, there's quite a lot of them. And how he made some of the decisions about those features. I talk a little bit about masking IDs in URLs, and I hassle Mario quite a lot about when he's going to launch his application. We also have a little chat about pricing and our thoughts on that. Here's our conversation. You never know what amazing like nuggets of wonder we're going to speak, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Which is why there's a new feature on FusionCast. So we'll we'll talk about it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, we'll so I noticed uh, when I, uh, I I hit the the login page, uh, it's like it's got a little notice saying that uh, yeah, it's going to be recorded. So uh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. So <laughs> so that I guess leads into your next feature. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's part of the last few items that I've been working on. So as a result of the feedback that I got from two, three demos that I've done as of now, I got pretty pretty good feedback from people that I onboarded. So I've been working on some of those items that they pointed out. So hmm. one of them was that, you know, making it more obvious and making sure that there is a clear message in the beginning. So they're aware that they're going to yeah. be recorded. You know you don't suddenly end up and like, hold on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, actually, on the slight detour there, the the URL that you've got uh, that gets sent out by a uh, email, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I don't think I got that right. So the you almost want to like the because that's at uh, the moment. I'm just wondering if you if that because that's like a, an incremental guessable URL, I guess, right? But you still have the, the someone's got to actually let you into the room. So I guess it's not that's not a big deal. I was just wondering, like you know, I could go through and just hit like 26, 25, 24, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah. of course, like, if you there's no. Um, you've got to let them into the room anyway. So it's not like somebody can get in without your permission, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all the rooms are locked by default, so no one can get in yeah, yeah. unless right. you let them in as the host. Yeah, 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 someone asked that same question because the URL is so simple and so right. <laughs> easy to to manipulate. Mm -hmm. But if I've been thinking about that, so I don't know. That's actually something I wanted to talk to you about and see what your opinion yeah. was because well, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah i noticed uh, almost you especially like the indie maker journey itself as the like the root of the path that almost you might want to redirect to the latest uh episode or you know or have something branded about your podcast on that page right maybe some mm -hmm. way of kind of making it like because not knowing that last bit, I'd be like, I know I've got a, you know, my, my initial instinct was to to go to the, the URL without the number, thinking, ah, maybe that'll just redirect me. But obviously, it didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is why, because I was like, I don't know which number we're at. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, hmm. These are all minor things completely. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good point, though, because one of the ideas that I have is to create sort of like a profile page for the podcast, right? right. So that there's mm -hmm. some basic information about the podcast, right. a link to the their website for the podcast, mm -hmm. or maybe some links to RSS feeds or the apps for listening or whatever, stuff like that. So and maybe the name of the host, that kind of stuff. If they choose to make that public, FusionCast could have that profile there. So that's... I mean, there'd be some like contact details or if, you know, like, like for instance, you know, like if I went to that, I'd be like, oh, I know I've got a meeting with somebody 
I can't remember, you know, how to contact you. This could be some way of sending you a message or something on there just as like a yeah. one point of contact from that, maybe something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And th these are all like such minor things in the context of getting the app working. And launched, yeah. right? But, <laughs> but that's, that's a really good point. So regarding the, the URLs, so somebody else pointed that out as well, because it's an easy number. It's so simple, right? That mm -hmm. someone could potentially start playing with it, guessing other numbers, but the the farthest that they could get is just to the waiting room. If it's an active right. or a, I shouldn't say active, but if it's an available session that hasn't been archived, then the link is viable and they would get to the waiting room, but then they would have to request to join. Yeah. So, and they, they can't go anywhere unless you, you, you let them in as a host. And if the session is archived, then they would get a 404, basically, you know, later right. I'm going to... Yeah. Make I found it, that out as well. Make it, yeah, make make it pretty. And, I was like, you know, is it ten? Kind of yeah, yeah, right, right. So, but right now it's just a four hundred four because it's it's not a viable link anymore if it's archived. Yeah. As an aside, I kind of like had a similar but different issue with regards to URLs and numbers, right? So, obviously, the I'm just using integer IDs in the database because. UUIDs are a pain in the ass to maintain and I don't want to store them and that yeah, developing with them is a nightmare anyway. So it's just kind of like, I always prefer just using a, a standard integer ID, but that yeah. has the, the, some would consider it a, um, an, un, an unwelcome side effect of giving away part of your schema of, uh, showing you know, effectively what's, what you're storing yeah. on the things being like, for instance, like my Twitter ID is a number that you can see in the in the html it's you know it's publicly available and that i think they've changed it now but when it started off it started at one and just incremented i'm like five thousand or something yeah and so obviously i've got users and check-ins on they're displayable in the url just as like you might be user seven and obviously that kind of I mean, it gives away that you're an early user, but it also gives away that, hold on, you've only got like 10 users. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to store a a separate ID for each user and for each check-in that is like, well, this is its real ID, but this is what it's referenced by in the uh, in the URL. That's kind of, I've yeah. got to auto-generate those. I've got to match them for collisions. And it's just an unnecessary, uh, feels ugly. I actually was like, hold on, I want to kind of mask this in some way, but I don't want it to be an, an extra overhead and burden on the, the database, and I don't want to manage it and all the rest. So right. I found a, um, it's a really small, seems a reasonably standard library, as in there's standard in terms of the idea and the algorithm are standard, and it's across like you know, every language you can ever think of, called hash ID or hash okay. ID. It's interesting, you basically give it a salt in your like root level, config and then you can give it integers you can give it an integer or a uh, an array of integers okay. and it will create a unique hash of those integers that's decodable with your effectively it's like a, a reversible crypt uh, crypted integers okay so you can say you want a minimum size of the result so you might say okay i want five characters. It uses base 64, so there's a high amount of data can be stored in it. It's reverse encryptable, so you can encrypt it when it goes on to, or encode it when it goes into your URL. You decode it when you receive it. Mm -hmm. And that way you you might have user ID one, check-in ID one. It's the first thing ever on the system, but it'll just be like XY732 in the URL. 
you get it. You just decode it. It's ultra lightweight and almost costs nothing to decode it and just refer to everything with that. And because it, you can pass it an array of integers, you could uh, say you've got um, user one and... So say you've got user one and check-in one. Mm-hmm. In theory, they would have the same hash ID because one hashed with your salt equals the same thing, right? But right. because you can encode it with an array, you can effectively say like user one is just the profile. Or if you were looking at a check-in view, it would be like organization ID and check-in ID. And so that would be a different hash ID than just one, right? So in that way, I've basically masked all of the raw integers with a effectively an encryption layer when it goes into your realm, a decryption when it gets it back. And it's it would took me like five minutes to do it across the whole site. And suddenly there's no IDs that shown anywhere. It doesn't nice. hit the database. It doesn't cost anything, a tiny amount in terms of uh, CPU to do it. And it effectively removes that hackable URL. Obviously it's, it's still, anybody can put anything in the URL, but, and there's, there's protection yeah. levels, you know, obviously for who can see what, but it, it just removes that obvious thing of having the number in the URL, which mm-hmm. is always a little bit like, yeah, I don't really want to expose that. Yeah. I'm so thinking I thought about that was that. interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good to know. Do you have a link to that library? Yeah, it's, I think the there's a page which actually, let me just, I think it's ids.org or oh, hashids. <laughs> so it's got available in JavaScript, Ruby, Python, uh, Scala, PHP, Perl, everything, literally every language you could ever throw at it. There's an implementation of it for. Um, I think it's, is it a GitHub Hash. thing? Yeah, it's from GitHub. You've got an S on the end. It's not hash ID, hash IDs. Hashids.org. It's interesting because the I is lowercase and the H is uppercase. I guess it's Hashids. <laughs> hashids, yeah, yeah. Generate short, unique IDs from integers. Yeah. So it looks like a GitHub project, which is interesting. I mm-hmm. guess they do something like that internally. So I thought it was a really neat, uh, neat little idea and uh, saves reinventing the wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, and obviously, because your salt is private, it's, you know, I, I guess it could be reverse engineered but at the same time what they're going to get seven out of it <laughs> it's not it's right. not exactly super secret information if it's not um it's not something that needs securely encrypting it's just something that you want to mask effectively so yeah i right. wouldn't use it for anything secure but uh, for for masking an id and a low number integer then it's probably very handy and obviously the, the string will just grow depending on how many how large the integer is. So if it's a very large integer, then I guess you get a bigger one, but you can set a minimum size for it. So right, so right. Cool. cool. I'll look more into that. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. I'm going to see, hopefully it's as easy to, to do it in Laravel as it was for yeah. you. Well, it your... says there's PHP implementation. So it was yeah. literally, yeah, a one-liner for, <laughs> for me to do it. Um, shockingly easy. <laughs> Yeah, nice. So, but when you pass the hashed version of the ID in the URL, Mm -hmm. so in your routes, because you have routes, right? So in your in your routes, when you receive that ID, you have to decode it, right? So I'm just doing that at the. I've got like a a filter on the controller level. So at the moment, I'm just doing it in each controller. But Phoenix has this idea of plugs, so you can effectively set 
things which happen in the chain of processing an event. So I might look at see if it can be done at that level. But at the moment, it's just a matter of like, here's what I get. Here's the parameters I've received from the URL. Um, just decode them. <laughs> and then okay. so I, I can just extract them from them, then use them in the rest of the, the controller methods. So. But did you have to make changes in all your controllers that yeah. receive IDs? Thankfully, I'm not using it in that many at the moment. There's only uh, a limited number of pages that require those. But yeah, uh -huh. it, it, at the moment, it was just like, okay, let's see see how well this works. And then, all right, this works great. So I'm going to look and see if I can abstract, abstract it a little bit more into the... Right. So it's, it's a little more transparent. At the moment, it's just each URL just encodes it when it gets put into the URL and then it decodes it on receiving. So on the receiving, say, yeah. there's probably a, a nicer way of uh, making it transparent. But yeah, for, for this level, I was just like, let's just try it, see if it works. Oh, all right, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I'll look into that and see if I can do that. And I wonder if it's, well, I guess if you do it for one, you can do it for all. But hmm. I wonder if it's worth the effort doing that as well for all the URLs that you have within the app behind the login. So once you log in and you're interacting with the app and visiting right. all these different URLs, I wonder if it's worth doing that there as well. It's It depends on the use of your application, I guess. Because yeah. so, so for instance, mine, because it's multi-tenanted and you've got, you know, in theory, hundreds, thousands of different companies using it, each one with multiple different uh, users and each person having a unique ID. Um, yeah. It's kind of like okay, I'm user you know 107, and you're user 180. Like, well, wonder who's your user 108. It, it it feels like you're giving away a little bit too much of your database, right? Yeah. You're exposing a bit. Of, whereas, I, it might not make as much of a difference. Yours, I guess it it the context of the people using it, it made me feel that it, it's it's just something I didn't want leaking into the URL. Yeah. And I'm saying I didn't want the overhead of doing it at the database level, which is just... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay. it might make sense. Even uh, yours, you could just put it on the external URL to start off with and see how you felt about it. I'll uh, make sure I bookmark this so that I don't lose it later. One of those things, yeah, that I was kind of like, okay, I'm not sure you know, what I'm going to do about this. And then after, you know, like 15 minutes, I uh, found that and I'm like, oh, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> I literally don't have to, you know, change my schema. I don't have to do anything at the database level. I don't have to, you know, it's minimum changes in the code. And, you know, the router still just sees an ID passing through. It's just yeah. a string ID and it just doesn't care. So it's purely at the controller level. It's like, well, what do I do with this ID? Well, it's not a number. I have to decode it first. Yeah, because one way that I've done it before, and I was considering doing that with this, if, if I wanted to mask that ID, is just adding a UUID to right. to the database, so another yeah. column, and then auto-generate those every time mm -hmm. that yeah. a model is entered. And then use that in the URL, which means when on the receiving end, I would have to look up that entity by that UUID right. as opposed to yeah. the real ID and, and just use it for lookup purposes, basically. I guess the downside of there is UUIDs are generally horribly long, right? You know, it's, yeah. uh, I forget how many bits. Uh, it's, it's a big string and it's a pain to copy, cut and paste when you're kind of doing stuff. Yeah. It's not something somebody can type in. Um, <laughs> I mean, I pretty much typed in this URL and just stuck a number at the end, right? And it... Uh, it's also an extra database index, which has yep. to be, you know, it takes up space and uh, it, yep. it's, it, they'd say that that was my default, you know, kind of go-to. It's like, oh, I guess I have to do that. And then it's like, well, actually, I just use the same primary yeah. key. I don't change anything in the schema. It's just that, right? Yeah. And I do have a couple of areas where I am using a UUID, but 
it's only because I'm using it instead of the regular ID and um, only because it's a table that the rows are deleted constantly, you know, so oh, okay. So they the rows get discarded once they're used. And right. so I don't want... It's kind any... of like that's your queue for processing kind of thing. So stuff's going in and getting deleted and kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just so, having, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to be generating the auto increment ID and then at some point run out of IDs, you know, <laughs> right, right, which right. would be in the billions or whatever. But, yeah, yeah. Still, but if, if that's happening a lot, it could, you know... Yeah high churn on that table, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to have to worry about that at some point in the future. So I just did UUID. And there's there's Makes one sense. area that I should have done that and I haven't done that yet. I need <laughs> to go back and change that. But in that case, I think it's um, justifiable, I guess, to yeah, use I, I UUID. Would say that's, that's just yeah, just yeah, to yeah. use it as, a, as an actual ID. I mean, you're using that as kind of a... Um, that's almost like just a key value store, not a traditional database table, right? You just stuff it. I mean, that you could do that in Redis or something where, you know, you're just stuffing it in and getting it back and deleting and discarding it when it's used, right? It's not a, yeah. it's a temporary store. It's not a, a, a real, like, database, you know, traditional use of a database table, right? Right, right. Yeah. So I think that makes sense in that case. Yeah. So <laughs> what else uh, can I share with you? I made a bunch so of changes. Uh, yeah. So who, how many yeah. how many people did you onboard? Is my question. So I've onboarded three so far. Hey, and excellent. And I have the fourth one tomorrow, actually. So how many so, of them are paying yet? <laughs> uh, none of them are paying yet. Yet, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, get them, let them get uh, you know hooked into it first, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I don't even have the billing set up yet. So there's there's no way they can pay me yet. <laughs> Why do you think I'm having a one month free trial? So it's like, give me a chance to, <laughs> to yeah. set up billing, right? Yeah, I don't have that set up yet. Um, so yeah, based on their feedback, I've been making a bunch of changes. A couple of them you can see um, up at the top. There's two mm, indicators now nice. letting you know when backup recording is happening and when local recording is happening. Right. Nice. So that's that's one of them, kind of minor, but it's. I think it's going to be pretty I, useful. I think, yeah, I mean, I I think you can't really overstate how important it is. I think to to make it clear that it's being recorded or it's busy, yeah. because you know, obviously, most cases you you just assume that it's working, whereas in this case, you you kind of want that double check, triple check. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely recording this. It's locally, it's backed up. It's it's all good, right? So I think that's, that's completely justifiable. And, uh, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. It's nice and clear. Also, I like it being at the top because you're generally looking towards the top of the screen anyway. So it's kind of that little real, little reminder that all is good, right? Exactly. Yeah. So one of my goals is to keep the most important things near the top. And it's one of the reasons why the two video panels are at the top and there's a lot of space at the bottom, but the closer to yeah. the camera they are, the better, because that's where your eyes should be, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it creates that effect that it's a little yeah. closer to the um, to the camera. I understood so it, why Skype always throws your picture in the bottom right corner, right? At the bottom, and yeah. It, it makes no sense. Zoom obviously sticks it right in the middle at the top, which is like, hold on, why has nobody ever done this before? This is so obvious. You're looking at generally the, the top of the screen anyway, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most cameras, you're going to have it either... If it's a laptop, it's built at the top. Monitors at the top, yeah, exactly. Monitors at the top, or even if you have a webcam and you clip it on top of the monitor, it's going to be at the top. So, so that's why I purposely keep the video panels near the top. So that's one of the changes. The other one, let's see, I have a list here. There is a auto recording feature 
that is flag driven at the podcast level. So when you create your podcast or you edit your podcast settings, you Mm -hmm. can set a flag Mm -hmm. that says auto start recording for every session in this podcast. So whenever someone joins a session for that podcast, it'll start recording Mm -hmm. automatically. At least you've got your, um, yeah, that's something you can do as a per podcast level. So if you think, okay, I just want to enable it. Is that per podcast or per episode? Per podcast. Per podcast. Okay. Yeah. I figure, so I went back and forth between that, whether to Mm -hmm. do it per session or per podcast. And I I think I I ended up, actually my wife and I, I explained to my wife Mm -hmm. what I was trying to do and then she helped me figure it out. And so we concluded that based on the feedback and the nature of the feature, uh, it seems like if someone as a podcast host Mm -hmm. wants that kind of functionality, they're going to want it for everything they're going to want it you know for the whole podcast for every you either think that's a good idea or you don't right (laughs) yeah exactly so if i if i made it at the session level then that means every time they create a session they have to go in there and set the flag or turn it on turn it off or turn it on you know that can get kind of annoying and if if that's something they want they're going to want it for everything they're going to want exactly either you want that or you think that's a bad idea and you don't want it right so yeah (laughs) exactly i I also went back and i had left certain parts of of the app for later and that later Mm. finally came (laughs) and (laughs) it it caught up with you right (laughs) it caught up with me so in a bunch of different parts of the app, whenever I'm deleting an entity, I was just deleting it from my database, mm-hmm. uh, for example, recordings, but I wasn't right. going out to storage in the cloud, deleting those. So <laughs> They're getting bigger, right? <laughs> and, and yeah, so before it was just me testing and, you know, mm-hmm. creating stuff, deleting stuff. And so I could just, whenever I wanted, just go into the cloud and, and just wipe everything out because it's just me. But now that I'm onboarding people, if they start recording, I don't want to have that become a mess, you know? Because <laughs> then things... you're like, hold on, which ones can I can, can I get rid of or not? <laughs> it would be a headache, you know, trying to reconcile that. So went in and uh, I added that functionality everywhere where nice. you re- whenever you delete recordings or sessions or a podcast, that everything is handled appropriately and everything is deleted in the cloud. So that's in. The other thing is little notifications or kind of like a tool tip when you okay. mute the mic, for example. Ah, if you if you mute the <laughs> mic, it'll it'll show you that it's muted. Before yes. it would only okay. show you the the icon with a with a line across. Right, right, right. But yeah. now it shows you a little tool tip kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So it's a little Makes more more obvious. obvious right? yeah. yeah. So nice. I did that for the mic, for the camera and for screen sharing as well. Right. Oh nice. Cool. Yeah, so just little details you're, like that. You're running out of excuses to launch now. Do you know that? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit scary, isn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, okay, I've got no excuse anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, what's the other one? The biggest one that I'm still working on is it has to do with screen sharing. Right now, when you do screen sharing, so actually, mm-hmm. let me share a screen here with you so we can... Uh, Talk about that. It'll make more sense. Right now, okay. I'm sharing my screen, but you can't see me, right? You can only, only see, see my screen. screen. Yeah. So the issue with that is that I did that for a couple of reasons. The Let's see, how can I explain this? So there's a limitation of the number of participants within the studio, right? Of so yeah. as of right now, it supports up to four participants. That includes any screen share. So if I, let's say there's four people that's already maxed out. Mm-hmm. And if someone wants to do a screen share, 
then I wouldn't be able to because that would become a fifth participant. Right. Basically, a screen share is like another participant. Of course, yeah. So if you've got four and then somebody screens it, is the fifth one is like going to break. <laughs> yeah, so it, it won't it won't work. Yeah. So that for that reason, to get around that, I remove the participant's camera video and then I replace it with the screen share. And so that keeps the limit without a problem. So if we have four and then someone wants to screen share, then that their camera video gets removed and the screen share is yeah, you know, it's replaced with their screen share. That worked just fine for now. But some of the feedback that I got was it would be nice yeah. to be able to just still be able to see <clears> each <throat> other even when the screen right. is being shared. So I went ahead and made a bunch of changes. Um, I upped the limit to actually six participants One. instead of four. So the four, yeah, I was going to say, so you could have effectively them. You can't add more people, but they can share, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, I took that opportunity to... Since I was going to have to mess with the code in that area anyways, um, I upped the limit to six instead of four. So now mm -hmm. FusionCast is going to be able to handle up to six participants, but it, it really is seven. Behind the scenes, right. the limit <laughs> is really seven to accommodate right. screen sharing okay. without having to remove the participants' video. Nice. So you could effectively have six people plus a screen share. Exactly. And that feature is not live yet. I'm still working right. on it. So so that would effectively record two streams locally for it would record my video plus my screen share locally. So I'd, uh, not locally, but it would upload those as well. Right. So you'd end up with however many files of each camera plus that. So when you, if you're editing, you can effectively, you know, inlay that or you could do stuff with it as well. Right. Yeah. So although right now that's that's the goal, but right now when you do screen sharing, that doesn't get recorded locally. It gets recorded oh, okay. as a backup in the cloud, but it doesn't get recorded locally. But that would be the next iteration to create a separate track wow. with the screen share. See, you're going beyond MVP now. Do you know that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. That shouldn't stop you from launching. That's a, yeah. that's a cool no, feature. <laughs> that's no. That, I'm not gonna work on that for it's launching. Like, well, that, I can't launch until that, right? <laughs> no, no, no. That that'll be later down the road. Road. For now, it's fine the way it is. Yeah, cool. But the, the main goal was to allow people to still see each other as they're mm -hmm. doing screen share. And at the same time, I took the opportunity to up the limit to six. The problem, though, is that the more participants you support, then the harder it gets to accommodate everything on the screen. And screen sharing is kind of tricky with the different aspect ratios of the screen. So mm -hmm. if you're sharing an entire screen, it's going to be, depending on what kind of screen the user has, it could be an ultra wide or it could be more of a regular you know, kind of screen. So the aspect ratio is a big pain in the neck. And I've yeah. been struggling with that. And today, actually, I was like... Man, just, you know, so far I haven't been very successful with it. Uh, I, I even started getting a little headache. Today. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something to put on the back burner and uh, let yeah. it tick away. And then when you're ready to think about it again, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an awkward one for sure. Mm. Yeah. I wanted you to see the, the screen sharing as it is now, because mm. if you noticed when I share my screen, it stays as a small little video panel, right? And then if you want to see it, uh, mm -hmm. you have to right. maximize it. Hit, hit the thing, yeah. yeah. Hit, hit the button and maximize mm -hmm. so you can see it better. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm doing since I'm working in that whole area is also changing that layout automatically. So when mm -hmm. someone shares the screen, it automatically mm -hmm. comes up bigger on your screen yeah. and each video panel of the participants becomes small and yeah. then the screen share is bigger. So I'm working on all of that and um, it's a pain. <laughs> yes, that sounds 
not fun <laughs> it's just it's a pain you know just dealing with the yeah. grid layout and and yeah. shifting yeah. things around depending on what the aspect ratio is of the screen that's being shared and all that exactly. oh man yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't envy you that that does not sound fun <laughs> it's not it's a pain in the neck but yeah i'll figure it out at some point <laughs> <laughs> yes but that's right. really um all I've been working on, and, and so, that's... so what's what's the next step? Um, yeah, since you got like three people using it now, so what what's the next step for actual launch, launch, launch? So my idea was to onboard a few more. So yeah. with the first few that I invited, I've I've gotten pretty good feedback, and so mm-hmm. I'm iterating on those and trying to build that into the product, so that when I demo it for other people, mm-hmm. those improvements are those... already there. Those th- those issues aren't going to come up again, right? Because you Ex- sold them. <laughs> exactly. It's naturally incremental feedback. It's exactly. <laughs> so those are already there. And so my goal is to invite another set of maybe five yeah. five people, you know, to the demo, do the whole thing, and hopefully get even more feedback from them. So I want to do that for at least another batch. And another um, batch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At some point, I need to integrate the whole billing system. Figure so out. So you're using pricing and all that. Yeah, I'm using Outsetup. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So using the authentication stuff? No, I have my own. Yeah, I have my own sign up and my own authentication, but I can still do the billing through them. Okay. So I'm planning to do that. And, but that means figuring out pricing, figuring out, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. I know that's one of the things I I looked at um, because I'm, probably gonna use paddle i looked at outsetter i had a a few conversations with them i I think it it would work but i think paddle's a little bit more aligned with um just how i'm expecting to to build people for it but i might change my mind but at the moment paddle seems the most in line with what i i kind of need right now and um so yeah they've got a sandbox and so i created an account in the sandbox and suddenly it's like you know well define your and i'm like oh god i have to think about this again right (laughs) i've been going back and forward between i mean the the default in like the b2b SaaS industry is you know this price per month per user um it's like nine dollars five dollars whatever per per Mm -hmm. user per month Mm -hmm. and i'm wary of doing that one i just Having been in small companies who obviously I'm kind of targeting first, it it certainly becomes this issue where people think, ah, we don't need them to have an account because it'll cost us $9. And it's like, what the hell, it's $9. But it does create this like haves and haves not. And the whole point of my app is that everybody in the team can have empathy and share what they're doing with everybody else. Not like, well, only the people who are worth it use it and those other people don't. Um, So I'm kind of... I think I've decided to go for a like a, a few tiers of you know up to twenty or up to fifty and then you know however many just to create a remove that resistance to giving everybody an account and obviously keep those low enough that um, it, it's it doesn't stop a person a team of five saying well hold on we don't need twenty that's a bit too much so the price should be still low enough that. They don't feel they're getting ripped off, but they know they can grow without going into the next level. So sure. I think that's um, that's what I'm tending towards, just because the per person per month model, I, 
I, I've seen it's nothing, right? But I've also seen these discussions happen at reasonably large companies, and it's like, really, you care? They do. <laughs> yeah. So I want to remove that, especially you know at this stage of the business. I don't want to lose a customer just because they're worried about adding an extra three people. <laughs> right. So. Right. Oh, that's good. That that's that's probably it, it's. I've been thinking about it for months now, and I, it was kind of like a a barrier that I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to charge per month for, you know, at, at least batches of, of users. So, so yeah, I haven't yeah. made that decision this week, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I think that's that's a smart way to do it. That's that's the way to go. So you're, you're intending on pricing per, what was your like so, brackets of pricing? Yeah, so I, I still have to figure that out. But I, I've been thinking about the fact that for the nature of my app, a usage-based pricing, I think it mm-hmm. makes more sense because, you know, there's a lot of cost involved. Yeah. Or, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's cost involved. Yeah. The, in, the more you know, people record, the more it costs you, right? <laughs> yeah, the more it costs to, to run the system. There's storage, there's um, yeah. data transfer for video and right. uploading everything yeah. to the cloud. There's, and, a, there's a lot of additional costs in your, uh, yeah. compared to just a, yeah. Well, mine. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, push notifications and all of that costs because I'm using different systems for that kind of stuff. So I think usage-based pricing makes more sense, but I don't, I don't want to nickel and dime users. So I think I need to figure out what would be a good level of cost that mm-hmm. equates to what the user has used in the system, right? right. And you, then you come want... up with some kind of uh, package deal that kind of right. makes sure that it covers my cost plus some profit. Yeah. And then I mean, you kind of want want to know what a, a, a normal type of user is, and then you want yeah. to know what a serious user is, and then. I mean, that, that that's kind of my thinking, right? You've got like yeah. smaller, normal kind of users. You've got the bigger users and then you've got the yeah. extreme. So you kind of want come to up with some make kind it of average. so that, right. Yeah. So if you're in that normal kind of use case, it's not going to cost you a crazy amount. It's it's a well, well within your limit. You probably won't even hit the limit, right? But yeah. if you have a different use case, you will hit that limit and you, you, you know, kind of happier to go into the, the next tier, right? Exactly. So I need to come up with those (laughs) tiers, low usage kind of user and then medium Mm -hmm. and then higher, and then create packages based on that. There would have to be some, something in the system, keeping track of usage, of course, and applying some limitations to what they can do. If If it's number of minutes or number of like sessions or whatever. Yeah. And I think a number of minutes is probably what makes most sense. Because that's the thing which actually costs you money, right? <laughs> exactly. So the number of minutes translates into more storage, more yeah. video data transfer and all that stuff. So a lot of it is going to be based on number of minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a, a more difficult thing to track than number of sessions, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you could have... Um, you could have uh, a bunch of uh, small sessions, like 15-minute mm-hmm. sessions or, right. you know... 20, 30 minute sessions, or you could have. There's no limit on the length of a session, right? There is no limit. Um, Well, Mm. for all practical purposes, there is no limit, but there is a four hour limit that. Okay. A hard limit, right? Yeah. A hard, there's a, there's, yeah, because. There has to be some kind of limit. So, of course. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Someone forgets to close their browser and it's like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow so, you wake up and you're like, ah. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, a hard 
limit of four hours, but you know, I doubt anyone's going to hit that. Mm. I say it's more likely that they'd hit it accidentally than intentionally. Right? It's more of a protection and, for the user and for your wallet. Than yeah. Else. <laughs> yeah. So there's that limit. And, um, I guess I, I need to inform the user and they need to be aware of that, but most likely no one's going to, you know, mm. hit that really. Yeah, yeah. I don't really see anyone recording for four straight hours, you know? I have trouble for <laughs> an hour. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing is right now I have a very basic infrastructure supporting mm. the system. I only have mm. one server. I only have yeah. one database. So I would like to beef that up a little bit mm. before I go into public beta because mm. right now it's okay with a limited number of people yeah. that I'm onboarding. But if I open it up to the public, yeah. I want to have a load balancer with at least two servers mm. behind. Yeah. And I want to have replication, you know, in database replication. I, mean, I, I think some form of um, kind of early access where people can apply to use it at least will give you control. I mean, the hope is that you've got a queue of 100 people waiting to use it, right? But at least mm -hmm. you then can let them in a few at a time without um, opening the floodgates for mm -hmm. potentially a lot more, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you hope that you're going to get flooded and the reality is probably not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but exactly. at least having, you know, if, if you do get um, some additional traffic, then you don't want to fall over, right? <laughs> Yeah, but... I mean, at, at the minimum, your database is probably the the one that's worth having a little bit of extra behind. Um, yeah, I guess your application server you can scale vertically reasonably easily quickly, right? Yeah, but at yeah. least having a database failover makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's all progression. No, that that's it's yeah. looking really good. I mean, it's 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 just working now. You know, considering you know when we first started, it was like okay, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> uh, and now this is this is a product. This is this is excellent. You know, it's looking really good. Everything's looking. Awesome. You know, and it's just working so well now that uh, yeah, I I would encourage you to yeah get it as open as soon as possible, or at least um, yeah. yeah start thinking about that trickling people in outside of the immediate, you know, close onboarding people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. there could well be a, a few externals that you start letting in soon. Yeah, yeah, Exciting. yeah. It's looking really good. And that, I say billing, you can, always you. Just, you can always just send them an email and say, can you put this in my PayPal? You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, one of the things I considered here is the if I'm billing for Japanese companies, the, the chances are they'll probably just want an invoice and pay it by bank transfer anyway. So it's um, if their customer's local, obviously, you know, I'd much prefer they just went through a credit card, but it's quite likely that they would, wouldn't want to here just because it's the, the normal method of payment for, for any business use is a bank transfer. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which is something I also had to consider because... I don't want the overhead of dealing with that either. So yeah. can you just use a credit card, please? It's easier for me. Yeah. yeah. So, nice. So my uh, interesting news, as you saw, was my little pitch. Um, so that was that was a fun thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about that. We 
talked enough about uh, FusionCast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can split your conversation in half, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah actually, that, that's, as I as said, that's actually something that uh, isn't a bad idea because I was listening to Software Social. I don't know if you've listened to mm -hmm. that podcast. Uh, um, I, I know of it. I haven't listened to it, but uh, I, I know it, of it. It's yeah. a really, it's, it's a fun listen and they bring up some interesting topics regularly because they're both at you know, very different stages of their startup life. So there's mm -hmm. some interesting kind of dynamic there, you know, whereas we're kind of... As, almost at a similar point in terms of launching. There's definitely some interesting discussions going on. But they're always around about 30 minutes. And it knowing that is so much easier to, oh, I'll just put that on because it's it's only 30 minutes as opposed to it's an hour, I'll save that for later. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's always the possibility that we could effectively, be, if we're doing this every two weeks um, talking, mm -hmm. then that's effectively two or three episodes in theory, right? You could divvy it up and spread it out weekly, say, um, yeah. without worrying about, hold on, there's every few weeks, do we have enough, you know, uh, to, you could split, keep it going at a regular schedule, even by only recording every two weeks or something. So mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. that's a possibility because not all, you know, the, the things we're talking about are not as timely as, you know, this happened yesterday. It doesn't matter if it happened a week ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, I think yeah, that, that could that's... be a, a, an interesting thing to do is is effectively and and i say we just start shipping <laughs> we've got yeah. no excuse here either do you know that apart from we actually just need to tell everybody what our products are that's the only yeah. excuse do you know yeah that? <laughs> we should yeah <laughs> no i know i know i agree i agree and and that would uh, normally i think we've been recording about uh, a little over an hour or so if we yeah, split it and it becomes yeah. around 30 minutes yeah. episode yeah. um yeah. and so that would make it a little more digestible. I think 30 minutes exactly. are really good. You know, it's a good yeah, length. Exactly. It's digestible and it's a better schedule. I mean, launching, one, you know, releasing once a week is much better than releasing every two weeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just because yeah. it's the, you know, it keeps that, that cadence going, which is, is important, right? So yeah. That, yeah. I think that's something that might be worth doing. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look into that. And that's exactly what we decided to do. So if you want to listen to the rest of that conversation, that'll be on the next episode. Thanks for listening.